now, now, Horatio, you tremble and look pale. Is this not something more than fantasy? What think you want? Before my God, I might not disbelieve without the sensible and true avouch of mine own eyes. Is it not like the king? As thou art to thyself. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Today we talked about Season 2, Episode 3, Is This Not Something More Than Fantasy? Liam visits Ophelia in New York while Eleanor and Beck retreat to the country for a quiet weekend. Helena clashes with the new Prime Minister and Cyrus undergoes treatment for his testicular cancer. Well, folks, as Zach wisely said to me today... They can't all be 202 <laughs> because we sure had a great time with season two, episode two last week with Sammy and we were living high on the hog. Yeah. But you know what? The higher they fly, the harder they fall. Icarus, right. some such thing. We just because, oof. could not bear to bring a guest in to witness this particular debauchery, I guess. It's it's a rough one this this time, guys, but I think yeah, we'll get through up. it. Because it's going to be a bumpy road. Yeah. I mean, this episode is just a hodgepodge of characters and the beginnings of some storylines, the ends of others, perhaps the definitive end of one. Ty will yeah. tell. Yeah, one, maybe even two. Um, um, but on the plus side, if we want to have a highlight, no Jasper this week. We're free of Jasper. Oh, you know what? There was something that I felt like I could breathe. I wasn't being suffocated yeah. for once. That mm-hmm. had to be it. Yeah, absolutely no no Jasper appearances. Although his arguable female counterpart did arrive, so we'll no, get to no. her when we get to her. In due time, yeah. I don't know if I have the strength to get through all the shitty minor characters that get introduced this episode. It was a shocking amount. There were people piling out of this clown car where I was like, who let you in here? There's a few one or two minor characters that we probably will never have to see again after this particular episode so at least there's that um we see them again does their do their appearances have worth no mm. but we do see them again um, there's just this show loves to take very small characters and fill in lots of details for them have you ever noticed that yeah i guess that's true whereas the main characters i was thinking about this today because um this isn't getting into the plot too much. This is sort of an overarching thing of the episode. We have, you know, yet another episode that seriously confronts or tries to confront, or at least it's a big part of the plot that Eleanor is still drinking heavily, using Mm. drugs pretty much all the time. And so we're watching these scenes with her and like, it's obvious it's a problem and people who have known her for a long time know a lot about it. And I was wondering, like, when did this start? Has anyone ever tried to put her in treatment before? Like, et cetera, et cetera. If it began when she and Liam, you know, were supposedly drinking as 12-year-olds in Monaco, like, if everyone spends all day being like, you have a problem, you have a problem, like, 
I really want to know. And like everyone says, like, you could achieve more. Well, if she started abusing drugs and drinking when she was 12, what did she achieve, you know, in pre-adolescence that they're like, you're missing out on that life? Yeah, I really want to know this because it would make her character so much more interesting. Some kind of child prodigy that we're just not aware of yet. Um, We've never seen another side of her. We honestly no. never have. And, and there has never been an attempt on the show, uh, even through the end of season two, for that behavior to really be corrected on her end, like, legitimately. Like, there no. hasn't been an attempt. And maybe it's because E figures that would not be entertaining television for its target audience. That's which not is, what the cool kids are doing, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's more I'm fun not to have pretend her. to know it's cool. It's probably more fun in their eyes to have her keep going to clubs like every night and have these crazy party scenes and not have Eleanor being like, I'm sorry, I don't drink anymore. It's sort of like, though, she could have these exact same scenes that she has at clubs. Like, she could have had the scene with Mandy in an elevator, you know, at a library, anywhere. Um, they go to the club. They don't. They barely interact with any other characters. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but oh. this is typical of most scene, most club scenes that Eleanor is in. She yeah. shows up at the club to have dialogue with the one person who's probably already a character or will be a character who she's there to have dialogue with. And yeah. it's just like any other, like, it's almost like an Aaron Sorkin walking and talking scene that's the same every time, except they're sitting and, like, talking at each other slightly louder so that you know that they're that in a crowded a party. Cool, hip club yeah. yeah i guess i don't want to put the cart before the horse because i know that our audience is looking forward to the payoff for that great cliffhanger last week <sighs> i mean they've probably been waiting with bated breath for this Will's episode fans. to be released um as we all remember liam was knocking on a mystery door uh somewhere and where could it be where could it be, could and, it be? <laughs> and the door opened and he smiled cut to black who knows what came next? Zach knows <laughs> because it was on his next on. It was on the next on when I first watched it. Um, but they, you do not have to wait long, listener, for the mystery to be resolved. Because the first shot of this episode is Ophelia opening a door. Yeah, so Liam reconnoiters with uh, Ophelia in New York. Sorry, what um, did you say? It's a word. Could you say that? It's again? used generally in the military, I think. Reconnoiters I or reconnoiters. One more time. Well, I said reconnoiters. I think that's an <laughs> acceptable pronunciation. That sounds like a dorky word my mom would make up. I don't believe that that's military jargon. I'm pretty sure it is, but we can. <laughs> I believe you because I have no proof to the contrary, but um, just had to clarify that. Well, it is what it is. He he reunites, let's say, with Ophelia in New York because Eleanor told him to chase his dreams or something last episode. No, chase his happiness, not even yeah. his dreams. Right. She reveals that she did intentionally, apparently, actively change her number. I guess it wasn't just a moving overseas thing. At least yeah, that's there what were it, that's... there were a couple of times when Stage of Fools, particular brand of we don't research anything, came to light in this episode. I'll admit mm -hmm. we're going to do some Fox and Friends style corrections throughout the episode oh. because there was a major one where I was like, "Ooh, last week I talked about this at length, and I was completely incorrect." Mm -hmm. I talked about last week about how there are three sets of twins. Reverse that. There's still only two sets because the character we met uh, last week, who I thought was a twin, it turns out he and his brother are half brothers, not even twins, not even blood siblings. So, wow. my I bad. Totally missed that. So I'm glad you did pick up on it. Luckily, they're totally inconsequential to the plot. So oh yeah, that. completely. <laughs> they're uh, they're side characters 
in the vein of Ashok, except they're not as enjoyable in that they don't really matter. They're just flavor. Unless they end up being uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and they get hanged. Yes, that would be nice. But again, the Hamlet parallels <laughs> really not not landing this season too hard. No, we just sound so wistful. They could yeah. get hanged. That would be nice. We'll just have a new segment on the show where we have an alternate version of the show that is closer to Hamlet at the end. And what happened I feel like on we that could, version. I feel like we could take the bare bones of this show, combine mm. it with our knowledge of Shakespeare, and actually come out with a decent show on the other end. I have so many ideas for this show. Yeah. Mark Schwann, if you're listening, I'm not too proud to come work for you. If you think I am, I'm definitely not. It could be the first TV show remake. That's probably not true. They what? Made a new of odd course couple. that's not true. Yeah. They need a you new mean reboot? Couple. That's also not true. Yeah, no. I couldn't think of any offhand, but now I, now I can. I hope um, this is the episode where we just spout nonsense, and I include myself in that. That'd be fine, because, because this is a ridiculous <laughs> I'm episode. I'm Yeah, it is not the best. Ophelia, he says she looks good, and her response is like, I do not look good, but she looks this, great. Like She looks great. This stuck out to me. She says very, like... Very, like, defensively. I do not look good, but, like, her hair is styled perfectly. She's wearing more makeup than she wore last season. She's noticeably thinner than she was last season. And she's wearing this beautiful, like, dress or outfit of some kind. I don't remember what she was wearing in that scene versus later on. But yeah. um, it was it was a very weird moment. She's a very beautiful girl. And it wasn't like, uh, like oh, brushing off a compliment. It was like... I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to convey probably that she was mad at him. Because last season, yeah. we just saw her being, like, hurt when he was like, I'm dropping you off in a different country. We didn't even I'm get the full you. extent of her reaction to that because... We got nothing. Because it was, like, smash cut. Pretty much, yeah. Like, we did not hear the conversation that surely occurred after that. No, but she and Liam talk while they walk through a park with their... Mm -hmm. No, it's kind of like a uh, gift of the Magi thing. Oh, she got tea for his sake. Oh, he mm -hmm. got coffee because she likes coffee. Right. Don't you just the love pole. them? Don't you just want it's to amazing. have They're everything? So, so very sweet. They and, have. Mm -hmm. But now we get a little more of Ophelia's side as she, you know, walks along and kind of vomits out some exposition mm -hmm. um, that this is such a tiny mentioned detail in the last episode and the beginning of season two, I don't really understand how, unless you were really looking for it, you would even notice, but it's the whole thing where Helena went through Gemma's family to get Ophelia accepted to the dance troupe okay. in New York. Yeah, I had forgotten where that that particular note came from, where the call to get her into the dancing dance academy came from, but... Uh, it came pretty specifically from... The order came from Helena, but Gemma set it all up, and I think I remember that just because I'm, a like, a Gemma super fan. Okay. I'm arguably the only person in the world who cares whether she exists. Yeah. But uh, I think that's why I remembered it, and so... Anyway... Uh, Ophelia was getting snubbed by the other girls in her dance company. I mean, we've mm -hmm. all seen, you know, Black Swan and Flesh and Bone and sure. Center Stage and a million yeah. other ballet things. It's a cutthroat world. Yeah, it really is because yeah. they're very talented athletes. Um, and so she figures out what happened and she quit the dance troupe, which I was like, I don't know. I sort of had respect for that. I saw where she was coming from, but at the same time, it's like, you're in New York. What else are you going to do? You might as well make a, you know, of the best it. of a bad situation. Yeah. And uh, there's a couple, for one thing, 
it shouldn't be too surprising, even to her as someone who has studied dance for her whole life, that a favor was called in to get her in there. Because she has yeah. to have some awareness that she is not great at dancing based on what we've seen. I think in the world of the show, she is great at dancing. Yeah. That's well, me coming I in from not... an actor's perspective. And I like not... I said, being someone who knows a lot of ballerinas. Yeah, that happens all the time. It's always about who you know. He apologizes, but he also doesn't get how big of a deal it is for her. No. Well, he apologizes first for... He says, in regards to dropping her off in New York, I should have asked you instead of telling you about the fact that you were changing continents, I guess, without knowing it. Which uh, she accepts pretty easily. Like, I have to give Ophelia props because she is a very forgiving person in that regard. I don't think I would have been cool with that. You don't say. Well, she did change her number. And yes, she's agreeing to speak to him. But that's only after he made a transcontinental flight. So the poor thing is under duress. But Liam says to her after, you know, he finds out what happened with the dance company thing. But you would have earned it. You wouldn't have earned it every day. Meaning, I guess, like with your good attitude. Mm -hmm. And she seems even more angry after that. And I totally related to that. Like that he didn't have any appreciation for the fact that she wanted to be respected as an artist in her own right. So right. I felt more on Ophelia's side than usual because usually I honestly don't really relate to her at all. Right. So I was a bit more on her side than usual this time because he just – he didn't get it. The annoying thing about this scene, though, did you notice? They said, your world, my world, your world, my world, like a bazillion times. Well, that's classic uh, Liam Ophelia banter. We had missed it so since season one, but it is back for a cameo appearance, fortunately. It just doesn't uh, always make total sense in context, too. Like, I feel like they use that term for everything. as like a catch-all yeah. for all life circumstances. That's true, especially because theoretically, to some degree, since her father has been head of security for the royal family for a long time, she was raised around royals. She had to have been to some extent. It just bugs worlds. me every time it comes up. We've totally beaten maybe that she horse stayed to death. In the, but... Maybe she stayed in the clock tower the entire time and was not allowed out under any I circumstances. That because was a it's too dangerous. Clock tower. Sweet clock tower apartment. Just um, sit up there counting steps, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's all she had to do. It was a real, like, Harry Potter-esque upbringing, I guess. It does sort of sound like a fairy tale, like the counting of steps is some sort of weird ritualistic thing. Yeah. I like know that's not know what any... it actually is, but it, like, recalls, like, the original French Beauty and the Beast with Belle and her father and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. You can just tell that this episode absolutely captivated our attention. Let's just continue Let's through just this Ophelia Liam thing. So... Um, she becomes, she, she, uh, at a certain point, uh, she becomes angry with him and runs off. I can't entirely remember what instigates that, it's but just, she's saying that they can't be together because of his world and she doesn't want his world. And he's like, no, but we can have a normal relationship. You don't need to be involved in all of that. And she's like, that's what you said before. And it, it really doesn't work out. So I just need you to leave me alone. I'm pretty sure that's basically the gist of it. It's right. her saying, uh, like, it's not you, it's all those circumstances. And you said before that that wouldn't invade our relationship, but it obviously does. So she leaves him in the park alone. And uh, he 
decides at some point thereafter to make a last-ditch Hail Mary attempt to get her back and returns to her uh, apartment. Uh, I noticed her apartment number is the same as mine, though her apartment is considerably nicer. It's crazy good. Um, But does she have an exercise thingy like yours? Behind her at all times. I, uh, prob- <laughs> I mean, not behind her at all times. She probably has its own room for it because that apartment is absurd. Um, I don't know how it she has affords two stories, it. actually, I think, doesn't it? What's that? What's that? Her apartment doesn't have two stories. Oh, uh, it may. I think there might have been a staircase in the background. I think someone comes from downstairs. Mm, that could be. Yeah. So I'm sure she has her own room for any potential activity. It's it's palatial. He knocks on her door. She opens it immediately and very dramatically. I don't know if you noticed how, <laughs> like, into Plastic it she Ophelia. was. Yeah. Like, just thrusting forward out the door like she was expecting. I don't Boops know what. first. That's Ophelia for you. And Liam's, like, giving his final pitch to her. When... He basically just is like, this can work. We had a good relationship, but we could have a great one. I'm like... That's kind of just it, though. You guys had a good relationship. I wouldn't say that you necessarily even have the potential for a great one. Right. I mean, they definitely are into each other, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of... It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of passion there, necessarily. Even their fights are... Like, they're so polite to each other and like, no, you know what? Let's just not do this during our fights. Like... When they can never have a disagreement without breaking up with each other. That's not the sign of a healthy relationship. Yeah. To be I mean, like, I, let's just break up every single time. There is a reason that the entire first season, it was one of the least captivating storylines. And it's just that it was bland and it didn't read as full of any life or real energy. And it's not necessarily the fault of these actors. I just think maybe it's partially the script and maybe they just didn't have a particularly strong, like, chemistry together but yeah they don't have the same chemistry as alexandra park and tom austin who play um eleanor and jasper that's for sure or even even liam and uh uh eleanor have much stronger chemistry with one another even though obviously not romantic honestly Um, even ophelia and eleanor yeah because their scenes it's just this one fine yeah I one think, connection. So the reason Liam's, one of the reasons Liam's speech doesn't exactly work out is we hear a voice go like, sweetheart, who's there? Mm-hmm. And yeah. oh, who would it be but our dear old Favorite. friend, oh. by which we I mean him, so. worst enemy, mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick. Ophelia's yeah. super bland boyfriend, the blandest of the handsome blandlings as we yeah come to call them the dullest character on the royals that is saying something he's a boy mannequin from the old navy that came to life exactly established yeah and at the old navy they happen to be playing some m83 so he knows a lot about that (laughs) that actually wouldn't even surprise me anymore they totally played midnight city at, at old navy they do. I'm sure of it. I believe you. I haven't been to an Old Navy in a while, but I, I, <laughs> I don't doubt your... I'm not incredulous no, no, at your I'm, story about Old Navy soundtracks. I'm just spitballing because he's there in a chambray shirt and he seriously looks like he should be in an Old Navy commercial. But yeah, um, Same as it ever was. Not one of the good Julia Louis-Dreyfus ones. He has mm. no 
on-screen lines, does he? He just walks on frame and then, like, looks dumbfounded. He says, I think, a total of three lines. He actually says, Liam, what are you doing here? And I think he also says, good to, it was good to have seen you when he leaves. But he's so dull that it's possible that when he spoke, you literally went into a kind of stupor and stopped... Yeah. Stop paying attention. Trance state as my soul left my body. That was probably exactly, exactly what happened, actually. When when Liam first sees first sees him, he he almost wheezes out the name Nick almost under his breath. Like I don't know if he's disappointed that <laughs> Ophelia and Nick are dating or that it's just Nick. I think it might be just the that he's disappointed that Nick yeah. is like still didn't just like dissolve in some water somewhere. It's just like I said, his soul escapes his body right out through the mouth. I mean, it makes no sense that Nick is here. It makes no sense that he and Ophelia, while he was in England and she was in New York, somehow managed to rekindle their relationship, which unlike Liam and Ophelia, all their various breakups, Nick and Ophelia's inarguably ended poorly with her Mm. definitively making it obvious that she wanted to be with Liam instead. Yeah. Um, She wasn't even interested in him and him at the beginning. She basically humiliated him. She took him to this super formal event and then, you know, left at the end of the night with another guy. That's kind of unbelievable. You know, he might've tracked her down because he was surprised that somebody could actually see him. Instead of just walking by like everybody else on the planet. He wanted to be a real boy. Exactly. And he needed to earn it. Um, You know, I think, I guess you could argue that there were plenty of reasons for him to end up in New York because of his music Mm -hmm. thing. But I think the real answer is that they needed to write Ophelia off the show either temporarily or permanently. And when they made this scene, I'm guessing even they didn't know if that yeah. was going to be the case. And they were like, oh, why can't she be with him? Well, mm-hmm. she couldn't have just her own reasons. All women need to belong to someone. Get a man in there. <laughs> um, the dance reason wasn't good enough. Uh, and then to make it not feel so totally random, they're like, wait, who can we bring in from the first season? And obviously, Ophelia only had one other love one interest. Other so interest. Nick was yeah. it. By and default, that actor was ev- like everything home. else staring at a blank white wall and he was like i've got nothing else to do i'll be on set he activated when he heard the phone um <laughs> no they pulled him out of the closet and dusted him off like everything else in nick's life uh he came to that situation by default pretty much um yeah it's just like how we picked him as the loser of our handsome blandling contest it was process mm-hmm. of elimination we decided everyone else was better and then we got to him yep pretty much i do have to give it to um William Mosley, that's his name, right? Uh, Liam. He does have to deliver with the straight face the line, he's a good guy, in reference to Nick. And he he managed to do it. He says something you should never say to your ex and their new significant other because it made me throw up in the back of my mouth. Take care of each other. Mm. That is a line. If I ever heard one, you don't want your ex to take care of someone else. Like, fuck off. That is such bullshit. I, I mean, I sort yeah. of laughed, but I was just like, that is so corny. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else to say except, like, that's it. That's a wrap on Ophelia for... Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it. This is a very small scene, and it has no bearing on the rest of the plot, because he just flies back to England, and, like, all the other characters are there across the Atlantic. But we talked a lot about Ophelia last season, and I kind of miss her, because she's, like, yeah. an old friend, and all these randos have invaded the show. That's true. 
and not all of them for the for the better. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like a smattering of maybe three or four scenes, really over the first half of this episode, and then she was just kind of out. I don't know why she left the show. I have no idea if she has another job somewhere. I, I honestly know. want to break our no research rule and find out, like do some sleuthing. But I do think that I remember being like uh, looking at her IMDb when I was first watching the show before we even had a podcast about it. Can you even remember such a time? Um, and seeing that she was in those Percy Jackson movies. So I don't okay. know if they're still making more of those, but if she's in like a big teen supernatural action like summer blockbuster then she might have very well had scheduling conflicts that was my guess but that's like pure conjecture right i have no earthly idea what she is up to uh outside of the regular universe uh, royals universe the regular universe i'm glad we don't live in the royals universe or do we look at the picture of us in dethroned (laughs) um you know i i hope wherever she is she's doing well i just want to put that out there Sure. We didn't yeah, always love, on. if this is the last time we ever see Ophelia, if this is a wrap on Ophelia, I'll say, we didn't always have, you know, the best things to say about her plots or scenes, but mm. that was never on the actress who played her for the most, right. I mean, if not for the, if not entirely, it's definitely for the most part. Yes, yes. It would have been nice if she had something more interesting to do than, than just kind of sort of have this weird relationship with Liam if she had something that was her own plot line that was a little more not reliant on Liam maybe it would have been a little a little more bearable but well she's either Liam's girlfriend or she's Ted's daughter there's really no room for her in yeah. the show otherwise which is just a bummer although honestly given what happens in season two I would love to see her come back right at the beginning of season three if you know what I mean and I think that you do no spoilers right well, true. Yeah, that would give her something to do. On that her would own give terms. her something to do. All right, that would give her something to do. I mean, or I, I would have accepted. Uh, she's done with Liam, and now Eleanor and Ophelia are trying to crack, crack the case of who killed King Simon. That would have been fine with me. Well, it's interesting you would bring that up. I mean, I can say it now because it's not a spoiler. But for a long time, I really thought that Ophelia was a suspect in King Simon's stabbing. I yeah. mean, she I, had the motive, she has the personality, um, and there were all those really contentious moments between her and King Simon where maybe they didn't exchange dialogue or even exchange looks, but you could just, like, feel in the room that she really hated him. I suppose. I, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, she could have been. I'm being if only. facetious. And an, if I, you uh, could facetious. That. Yes, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Just checking. Um, but I guess that uh, we can cycle back now and talk about the the other major storyline of the episode. I guess I would say is is the twin doomed romance um, of Eleanor with with slightly more tolerable, handsome, blandling Beck. Twizzler Bandwidth, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Twizden Beckworth. Worth with. I think I got it. (laughs) I think I got it perfectly. Um, Yeah, I mean, this one, I feel like, is it even worth going through all their scenes in chronological order? I could sum up this whole storyline right now. It's detached from all the other characters 
on the show. I'm going to go for it because honestly, sure. you guys, dear listeners, if you couldn't tell from like the defeat in Zach and I's voices, 203 was just not an mm. easy one for us to get through, especially coming off the high of 202. And I mean, right. I felt high while we recorded that episode. I don't know what the deal was there. Um, anyway, Beck takes Eleanor out for a weekend in the country. He has this gorgeous countryside estate, of course. You know, there are piles of pillows on fields for them to lounge around on. And they have a bunch of sex, of course. But Eleanor is not happy being in the country because there's nothing to do. And she says it's too quiet and she needs noise right now. And so one night she quote sexes him into a coma which i guess has yeah. sex with him until he falls asleep and sure. i hope she doesn't mean it the way jasper meant it aha uh-huh. oh, um well and then she goes out wearing a like bondage corset and a tutu underneath her leather jacket and she goes to this club there's a paparazzo who tries to take a picture of her like leaning against the bar looking super defeated and this girl wearing a latex fetish wear dress. There's no other way to put it. Sure. Uh, who's blonde and American stops him by slapping, bitch slapping the phone out of his hand onto the ground. Uh, she and Eleanor bond and Eleanor tells her about how dissatisfied she is with spending time with Beck in the country, how he wants her to be sober and she's not okay with that. And this girl, this blonde American girl, you know, she knows nothing of the situation or whatever sub- legitimate substance abuse problems Eleanor might have. But she's just like, basically, all but says you should break up with your boyfriend because if you're already boring each other, it's not going to get better. Which, to be honest, is not terrible advice in most situations. But Eleanor is a drug addict. So she goes mm. back and she and Beck cry and break up with each other because the timing isn't right. Although really the issue is he's insisting on her sobriety and she will not get sober. Yeah. Ta-da! I, mean, I did it! Pretty Yay. much. Um, just imagine all those scenes. Beck is always in a deep V. Um, pastels, of course. Much pastels, yeah. Um, but that's more or less it, yeah. I, I mean, wrote the words real whirlwind of dole in description in relation to Beck and Eleanor particularly, but of what? Of dull, dull. Wait, yeah. wait, you say dull, which I pronounce like this, dull. Sounds like to me like the name of the pineapple company, dole. Oh. Well, I <laughs> apparently have this is my strong strong Colorado accent coming through, apparently. I think it's my Midwestern accent just throwing everything into horrible contrast, but I was very confused momentarily. I mean, I I really wanted to just kind of not bother going through all their scenes because it's a lot of Beck and Eleanor, like, staring down each other's bodies, talking about how perfect they are for each other, even though they have nothing in common besides the fact that she lost her virginity to him or something. And um, then they break up and they both sort of have tears sparkling in their eyes, but it's an incredibly dull breakup scene. They're just like sitting on a bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, They briefly acknowledge the fact that he recently left his wife for For her. her. He explicitly, he made it clear too that it was for her, which was such a bad idea. 
Yeah. Uh, so I hope those four days were worth it because. Oh my God. What a debacle. Yeah. Although, yeah. honestly, next season, Beck will come back and be like, Eleanor, we were together for five months after I left my wife. And we'll be like, wait, mm-hmm. the royal season two actually lasted three years. Yeah. Somehow it'll take place in like 2027. And we because won't even the passage understand of time why. has no meaning. Right. I feel like when Prudence has her baby, it's like a Buster Blue situation. He was inside <laughs> there for 11 months. There were nail marks on the inside of her uterus. Mm, that would only make sense. Um, I mean, <laughs> they might just skip the entire part where it's a baby just so they can have a precocious kid running around saying slightly inappropriate things. But we'll see. I feel like you've just made a prophecy, not unlike a prophecy someone might make about a cursed diamond, hashtag cursed diamond watch 2016. Keep it trending. Unfortunately, no cursed diamond in this episode. Another, another, another fault with this particular episode. Well, can we talk about Cyrus's plot in this episode? I mean, he also just has a very small amount of scenes all centering around a single topic. Sure. He's having his right testicle, which is apparently the bigger one. The big one. one. Mm-hmm. Removed. Yes. And looking at having a cosmetic alternative implanted in its place. He's very, Correct. very upset about it, even though the doctors Extremely are telling upset. him that it will get rid of the cancer. He says he'll be a freak. And I was yeah. like... Well, if you get a cosmetic implant and you're not telling your sexual partners, well, does anyone ever have to know? Speaking I mean, as a lady, Cyrus, I can't imagine knowing the difference, but that's Cyrus just my two cents. Cyrus is very attached to his accessories, I guess. So the thought of losing one is probably very, very hard for him. So, oh, is it hard for him? It's, it's, it's always hard for Cyrus, I imagine. Um <laughs> Uh, that was a a joke on hard balls. Yes. You get well, it? I mean, okay, good. Yeah, I just I mean, wanted to make sure that I'm just lobbing everything right over the plate. Oh, the doctor didn't tell him that he's infertile. I mean, minor spoiler. He no, is, no, no, no. Or he will be once they remove the testicle, which they do in this episode. But, um... If the doc, if you're not infertile, if the doctor didn't tell you that, or ster- I guess with men it's sterile, not infertile. Um, I don't. I really don't understand why Cyrus is as upset as he is. I also don't know if Cyrus has any particular care to ever have another child in the first place. I can't imagine that he does. I think he wants someone to be his legacy besides Penelope and Maribel because. Well, that may be. Doesn't he seem sort of upset later on when he finds out that he's infertile i mean sterile Mm, i guess um he never in previous episodes it never seems to bother him too much i don't think think it's a major priority no yeah like after he's gone i i kind of feel like cyrus does not care what happens at that point and he will not relinquish power until the day he dies so i guess helena is the one more attached to the idea of a legacy yeah absolutely cyrus she's just cares the one about who cyrus, does stuff like, like yeah she's the one who does stuff like make monuments and be like well i'll be the last royal ever so everyone will remember me as being the last one which 
to me seems like a super weird thing. Like when I think of last monarchs of every different country, it never seems like a positive thing. I suppose that's true. Yeah, usually they screwed up in some capacity or met a terrible end. Exactly. Um, I mean, as someone who's very familiar with the French Revolution and then the Russian Revolution, it doesn't exactly bring to mind fond imagery. No, absolutely not. But Cyrus does care a little bit about his image because um, he agrees Lucius and him... Lucius? Lucius? It's Lucius, right? Lucius. There's an extra syllable in there. Lucius. Ah, okay. Uh, concoct this scheme for him to go on this PR tour, basically, to um, a soup kitchen, though Cyrus is apparently unfamiliar with that term initially. Um, there was one point where Cyrus turned over his shoulder to Lucius to make some quip about having his balls removed, but they filmed it in such a way that it looked like Cyrus turned over his shoulder and addressed the camera. Did you notice that? It looked like he was about to break no. the fourth wall for a second. I would be okay if that was a new thing that happened this season, if Cyrus started talking like Kevin Spacey in House of Cards directly to the audience. Well, what did I say to you earlier this week? I said... The show would be better if they had based it on Richard III instead of Hamlet. Yeah, that's If true. Cyrus were Richard III, Richard III, who uh, also the character from House of Cards is based on, does break the fourth wall and directly address the audience. Often in movies, he'll directly address the camera, like in the Olivier sure. version in the, and um, in the McKellen or version. Or the McKellen version, too. Um, I think Cyrus could totally pull that off. That would be amazing. I think so, too. Oh, that would be great. You Mark know, Schwann, call us. I mean... It would be great if we just got to season three and all of a sudden we noticed no longer there were Hamlet quotes in the title. Now it's all Richard III quotes. Oh, my God. I'd be doing backflips. There are just so many good, like, royal backstabbing things that happen in Richard III that would have made it a way better jumping off point for the show than Hamlet, which is a very contemplative drama. You know, it's a lot of Hamlet just pondering life's big questions and a lot of the drama is like psychological like driving Ophelia mad forcing Claudius to uh, show his guilt by staging the play whereas Richard III it's like yeah there's those two little boys who are going to be heirs to the throne Uh, drag them out of their beds and murder them you know or uh, I have this wife but I think I'd rather marry my niece so I'm just going to poison her it's just better intrigue My my supposition is that they chose Hamlet one because everybody knows well yeah the novel and also everybody knows at least about Hamlet even if they yeah. haven't read it like including like uh, uh, you know I feel like a lot of probably a lot of the audience for the Royals maybe has it doesn't have the most robust knowledge of Shakespeare. Um, I don't know, Benedict Cumberbatch is probably changing that for the teen girls out there. That could be. And also, (laughs) I think they probably wanted to keep the focus on the younger characters and not on uh, Cyrus so much. But Cyrus is clearly the best character at this point. He's, I would say, in our opinion, I don't know about the fandom, the breakout character. Why not shift the focus a a little bit? It's impossible for me to imagine anyone watching this show and not being completely obsessed with him because every guest we've had on so far has immediately recognized him as the vastly superior character. Yeah. I mean, I think that the focus shifted a little bit this season so that it was more on Cyrus than last year. But, uh, no, you're right. I don't think the show will ever, you know, 
take us go there where we want to go. Commit. No, probably not. Um, but at least we still have him as a relatively major character, so we can be thankful for that. Um, we still have most of him. He does have yeah. a testicle removed, and he tries to walk out of the hospital afterwards, even yes. though they make him use a they end up making him use a wheelchair. Well, I mean, this is after his little trip to the soup kitchen, which he refers oh, to. How could I skip over that? I beg your pardon. Yeah. Which when. When it is proposed to him that he uh, does a charity event, uh, he refers to it as a bum buffet, only to be corrected that the actual term is soup kitchen, which he then, he then repeats in a way that it sounds like he's never heard the word soup before. He's like, soup kitchen. <laughs> it's like very bizarre. Like Cyrus is uh, too good for soup. So he's never heard of it. I mean, but it's the- always... It's always a course and a fancy meal. I don't understand that at all. Mm, I, I mean, don't. is it? Do Helena and Cyrus have a scene in this episode? It's all kind of a blur to me at do this point. Do not think so. No, actually, I think every major character is separated. There was a joke that Zach and I both kind of noticed and found off-colored, not maybe strictly offensive. Oh no, that but... is Helena. Helena does say that to him. You're right. Yeah. Helena and Cyrus having a conversation and he tells her what's going on and uh, that he's going to be doing more charity work and she's like being very scornful of that and pointing out, Mm -hmm. you know, how much she hates the common people. And she says, you told a child with Down syndrome to try harder, which it's not a particularly offensive joke because I think it's supposed to be more about how Cyrus is like the worst. Is a terrible person. But it also yeah. feels like the show is trying really hard to be edgy and making mm-hmm. like a glee, like dark humor, like pushing the limits, like joke, you know? Yeah. I guess it probably didn't help that uh, it was Elizabeth Hurley's to deliver. Um, but. Yeah, but it kind it of still just felt the- like it was. Like they re- they wanted something super harsh, and maybe they couldn't quite come up with that perfect something. And they were like, oh, "This try harder thing, it'll work." Part of it is, is it just, just lands, and there's just silence. Like it really yeah. reminded me of Eleanor's line in very early in season one, where she makes a joke about Cyrus having molested her. And there's just, like, dead air following it. And it was another one of those jokes where it felt like they were trying really hard to be, like, our characters will say anything. But it came off as, like, wait, did he, though? Yeah. I don't doubt that he told a child with Down syndrome to try harder, though. I'm sure that happened. Especially because he smirks afterward in a very... um, He's proud. Telling, yeah, pride. He loves a good quip. He's like the Oscar Wilde of his day. Yeah, (laughs) in many ways, I guess. In um, many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the the prelude to that scene where Helena delivers that line is one of the best in the episode because Cyrus is hanging out uh, at his royal desk, I guess, and a series of servants come in, each with a dog, and Lucius informs him that he thinks it would look good if Cyrus uh, picked out a dog to have as a pet. And so Since just when parade. is Lucius the expert on all things warm and cuddly? He definitely never advised Helena to be friendly with the no. people. He was always no, 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 like, no. you need to project the, the image of being like this almost superhuman being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I feel like he did, he did all the shady shit for Helena, I feel like. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't know. He's become Cyrus's catch-all, like his Rachel, like his just little full-time sidekick. And Rachel says to Helena in this episode that she never comes to work sober. She's always stoned. And I was like, I, what? That is such a weird passing detail. It's just mentioned offhand in this weird little scene they have where they smoke a joint together. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. It was such a bizarre one-off detail for this small character. It's exactly like what I was talking about earlier with lots of details for small characters. To be honest, I believe that is probably true for the entire staff at this palace. I don't blame them at all. Particularly the bodyguard. Oh, I don't blame but... them at all. You would need it just to get through the day. Yeah. Um, the indignities you would suffer. Also, you have to be a prostitute if you're a woman. You have to be that's a prostitute true. to work at that yeah, castle. I mean... I'm not trying to Rachel, be flippant. Guess, it's just the truth of no, the no, show. No, no, it's true. It's true. Particularly if you're like one of the maids. I guess Rachel theoretically is immune to that, but her side business is being a dominatrix, so she still works in sex. <laughs> it's all part and parcel. So these dogs are paraded out, and Cyrus. I, one of the things I like about this scene is that the last time animals were paraded out in front of Cyrus, uh, it was so he could select a swan to eat. But um, Helena actually mentions that. After I made that note, which I appreciated. Really? I missed that. That's so funny, though. Did she, she make a joke about when she first enters this, Yeah, when she first enters the scene, she says, you're not eating dogs now, are you? And he responds with something like, only the fluffy ones? <laughs> but, um... That is so classically Cyrus, them. Cyrus is immediately taken with a bulldog, uh, primarily because he likes the size of its testicles. Um... That's his only thing. That's the only thing he notes about this dog is that it has very large testicles. And that's it. That's how Cyrus picks dogs. This is a real Prince Rufus situation where I get excited about a dog being introduced on the show. And I think maybe there'll be a cute dog in episodes sometimes. Downton Abbey has a dog. Oh, yeah. But no, no. Tragically, the dog does not come back, I think, ever? We never see it again. No, I was really hoping for a while there, but no. No dogs. I really think this show, I mean, maybe they'll have a precocious child next season, but it could use a little, a little something. Everyone's getting really gloomy. Except, of course, we have Violet, the new maid who shows up at the very end of the episode, who Uh is incredibly chipper and upbeat about everything this is nice. Cyrus seems nice. She sure does love working at the palace. And yep. you can tell people to do whatever you want because you're the king. That must be awesome. She's very little and blonde and chipper. And unfortunately, yes. we haven't seen the last of her. Yeah, and she Cyrus helps. is like, you're so nice. Which since when is that something he A ever thing wanted? thing that he admires. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would think that he would think nice people are weak and moronic, but... That's just me. Maybe it's a mommy issues thing where since he's feeling sick, he wants to be, like, coddled by someone motherly since his own mother obviously hated him. Well, she first meets him when he's in the palace trying to walk to his room. I don't know why he's still walking at this point. No one's around to see him. Like, he should be back in a wheelchair being pushed around by, like, servants or something. But no. Did you watch Um, Lost? Did you watch Lost? Lost? Don't tell me what I can't do. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I guess that there is a little bit of of, of Locke and Cyrus, maybe, in that regard. That's the, but, literally the only thing they have in common. But whenever I see yes. 
I mean, whenever I see someone in a wheelchair, I don't think of Lost. That would be crazy. But this scene mm-hmm. made me think of that because I, I think of John Locke whenever I think of him, you know, yelling, don't tell me what I can't do. So she helps him back to his room and puts him in bed, like get some water. And I really feel like their relationship would have been different if when he first met her, like I guess he's never met this servant before, which is weird. Um, he hadn't been a recovering from a surgery and B probably on a lot of painkillers because man, Prudence did not get the same treatment when he met her and she did not get an opportunity not to. So I I feel like the saving grace for Violet in terms of her relationship to Cyrus was that she happened to meet him when he was incredibly sick and physically unable and probably on painkillers. I think part of his circumstances too, I mean, I think that's true in the case of real life abusers too. Like Prudence came into Cyrus's life when he felt like he was at the bottom of the totem pole in the royal family and had no opportunity to rise and he needed someone to take out his aggression on and it was all about him feeling powerful. Now he's mm-hmm. in a position of power that he doesn't really have to fight to defend because he's the king and no one can really take that away. So he's more in a position where he has power and he wants someone to be vulnerable around, someone to you know, take care of him. So I think that's part of it. I mean, I definitely think that painkillers could play a factor, but I don't think he's supposed to be like loopy on drugs during that scene. He seems totally lucid. But, uh, I, I mean, he's definitely not in a normal place for Cyrus, probably to the benefit of this woman, uh, whose name is Violet, by the way. Uh, I guess that more or less, I mean, wraps up Cyrus's plot line. He does stop at that soup kitchen. He's really disdainful, disdainful to a homeless man. I don't even like his suit that much. That's how bad this episode is. I know. Even the costumes were a bummer. I was really disappointed by Eleanor and Mandy's costumes at the club because it didn't feel like clothes people would actually wear to a club. It felt like a movie's idea of like, these are the clown clothes that someone will wear to a fancy club. But there was one moment I thought was sort of like weird and funny. There was an Instagram post that Cyrus looked at. It had a picture of Cyrus that said, nope. And a picture of Liam that said hope that had been like posted by some, you know, average British citizen. They were mad because sure. Cyrus wore expensive shoes to the charity thing, but Liam mm-hmm. flew coach back from America. Um, so, yeah, Liam comes back to England, and would you say that he's immediately kidnapped by his shitty friends or just almost immediately kidnapped by his almost. shitty friends? Uh, he's. He's despondent in his car, and he gets out, and he just says, no security. And, of course, they accommodate, because they Why always Jasper accom- come to America? Why didn't anyone come to America? But, I mean, Jasper... I don't know why Jasper's just not at all in this uh, episode. I'm, I'm not necessarily complaining about it, but... No. But I have no idea. Uh, I guess... There was an episode he wasn't in last year, too. Maybe... Maybe for some reason... Respite... Brief respite. He starts walking down a random street, just like with his super sad boy despondent walk, just thinking about Ophelia in the rain, light rain. Very, very tragic. He's always walking in the rain. All his big scenes take place in the rain. Well, it follows him around. His gloomy life, his constant rain cloud. (laughs) Um, And he turns a corner 
and someone throws a sack over his head and throws him in a van. And we don't have to wait very long. I think there's a commercial break in the original airing, but... So many shows do this, and that is my least favorite thing. They did it on Dexter as the cliffhanger of an episode, and then when the next episode started, it was like, it's your bachelor party! I think that's yeah. a really cheap prank to pull on your audience. Yeah, it's... It's it's his friends, the two from Ashok, the guy from the previous episode, and the guy from the previous episode's brother, who's newly introduced here, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know that the, either of the brothers have been given names yet. One of them yeah. has dark brown hair and tends to dress sort of businessy. He's the one yes. who quote loves success. Loves success, yes. And then there is uh one who has blonde curly hair and sort of these wide blue eyes and he's the one who quote loves men and he himself makes a lot of comments and jokes about how he's gay and everyone else makes comments and jokes about how he's gay and that's going to be his defining character trait we're not happy about it either but it's uh that's all there is that's That's, all there is that's all there is fortunately i don't think this guy shows up either these characters show up too too much so there's that but, They're just um, background flavor. Um, exactly. They, you know, they show up at parties and stuff. Right. They've just, they, they're definitely going to be friends, the twins' birthday so. party. I don't know why Eleanor doesn't have any friends. So they pretend to kidnap Eleanor. They try to do friendships with Eleanor. It just, we'll see. It doesn't always pan out. They definitely yeah. tried with her and Ophelia. But Liam has so many friends because, of course, everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. Um,. His friends kidnap him and say they're going to rape him. They don't. Uh, it turns out it was all a joke. Don't you just love it when your friends pretend they're going to uh, rape you in a van? I know I do. Already established. Their primary their primary mode of joking is pretending they're going to sexually assault or physically, physically injure assault. their friends. Uh, they go to this club that I'm guessing is supposed to be kind of posh because it's lots of like yeah. celebrities and models as evidenced by the fact that Liam's two shitty friends' dad is there. He looks like a ripoff of Steven Tyler, but he's definitely supposed to be a ripoff of, like, Mick Jagger or something. He's, like, an old British rock star who has, you know, eyeliner and, like, scarves and that sort of look. And he's still talking about having sex with much, much younger women, which, of course, we're supposed to think is awesome. Why wouldn't it be? And he has these two sons, and he says that, uh, you know, he doesn't know what happened with them. One of them only loves success, and one of them only loves men. And he blames their mothers, plural. And that's how I realized they were half-brothers, not yeah. twins, like I thought in okay, the previous so, episode. Yeah, I totally missed that. Uh, he also comments on a woman who is looking across the bar at either him or Liam. It's definitely Liam. It's obviously Liam. Yeah. And... Eventually she comes over and like she starts talking to Liam and he's like, damn it, and walks off. But the interesting thing about this conversation with Mick Jagger is that he's talking to Liam and he gives all this information about his sons and their mother and his younger days and how he's a proper rock star and now rock stars aren't proper rock stars. And oh, this woman I hated who's looking that. At them, I hated that speech. Right. And this woman who's looking at them and during all... All of this conversation, Liam does not actually say a single line. <laughs> You're he just right. kind of nods and slightly says, yeah, maybe a little bit. But I feel like it's when you're trapped with like 
maybe a neighbor who's like you don't particularly care for or who has views that you hate, but you're in a situation where you have to talk to them for a while. I really got that vibe. What's that? Liam said, quote, I love your dad and left his friend to go hang out with the dad. So that's on him. I think the thing was he sat down all interested in having a conversation with Mick Jagger. And then immediately as soon as they sat down, that girl started giving him fuck eyes. And we know Liam. The only thing he cares about is pretty girls giving him encouragement. So as soon as they sat down, he just automatically focused on that girl and completely tuned out. I think that's probably the case. Uh, but also that guy was loving monologuing. It was like a Bert from Mary Poppins monologue where you just are like talking about your world, like kind of tangentially acting as if the other person has responded, but not really. They haven't at all. It's worth noting that even though he's all about encouragement from pretty girls, he was already kind of sort of like uh, at his little couch that he was sitting out with his friends. Genevieve was there. His, uh, yeah, his compatriot from the polo game, whose name he apparently didn't know, even though they were on a polo team together, showed up. I thought she was a part of their friend group. I honestly assumed she was like another one of the rich kids who he hangs out with. introduces herself and says where she knows him from. That's so weird because she sits down on the couch and immediately puts her hands on both of their thighs. Not even in a sexual way. Like, she, like, slaps them on the top of the thighs in, like, a just sitting down way. Like, it's not sexual. I didn't think it was weird, but I assumed... Maybe she knows her his friend or something. It seemed Maybe. like she would travel in their circle because we find out later that she's the daughter of like extreme wealth on one side and extreme nobility on the other side. Just not both of the two at once on either side. It also, after, after um, she leaves, the brother whose character trait is that he's gay also says, okay, so we love her, right? Which implies to me they don't really know that person. Yeah, that's so strange, but it just goes to show even more what drew me to Genevieve in her first scene, just the confidence of this girl. She really just say, knows how to enter a situation and command it, and everyone loves her. She's great. So you noted in her first scene in the pilot episode, she does this little trick where she gives Liam a plate and starts putting stuff on it, and then she takes the plate away. And eats in it all this herself. Case, yes. Without without uh, without consulting with anybody, she just gives one of Liam's douchey friends her shoes and then just yeah. like walks off like you could take care of those now. Yeah, those are so your problem con- now. She is continuing her trend of just making guys hold things for her. Uh, I love wherever her. she goes. Yeah. I mean, the shoes are one thing. I've talked about this now for far, far, far too long, both on the air and off the air. But it's just genius. Using two hands to pick up desserts instead of one hand. That's math. That's science. Anyone could see that. But mm-hmm. I digress. Uh, so he does this thing with this girl. It's like that. Um, it's like what lots of sitcom doctors do, like on Arrested Development or Family Guy or The Simpsons, where they say, they say like, they make it out like they have bad news, but they actually don't. This girl's oh, okay, like, yeah. will you go home with me? Will you leave with me? And he says, I can't leave with you. And waits until she walks away to be like, I can't leave with you because the paparazzi are waiting outside for me. Give me your address. I'll meet up with you later. It's like, you purposely faked her out, asshole. He definitely did. There's no question about it. He, like, waited completely until she turned around. Because, obviously, if he didn't want to, he would have just been like, no, but what I can do is this. But It was no. like, I'm afraid the patient is no longer with us. Because he's fine. He's out of the hospital. You know, like that old joke. It was exactly right. that, but in a dating context. Liam has his little games that he likes to do every once in a while, I guess. He's the playboy prince. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So he goes back with that woman uh, and uh, he sleeps with her. And the next morning when he leaves, the paparazzi is everywhere. And it's match-cutted with uh, the paparazzi being all over Eleanor when she's leaving Beck's little countryside estate. Mm-hmm. Even though they were never there before, they're basically there whenever it's convenient for them to show up. It's because she went to the club and people took pictures of her at the club, so then they figured out where she was. They, they tracked her down. Okay. That makes sense, I suppose. But, yeah, yeah uh, that's pretty much it for Liam in this episode. Um, he lost Ophelia. He had... Some rebound sex with a random woman, I guess. I guess. And uh, we met his friends. But there is one other thing that needs to be talked about, I guess. And that is Helena's storyline. Um, oh, no. Double Helena's this time. Two times yeah. the Helena. Yeah. Uh, she is in a sparring match with the new prime minister who, like... Starts by keeping her waiting outside of her office for an inordinate amount of time. And when she finally gets in, um, she's sort of, I guess you would say, lightly disrespectful of the the sort of norms that go along with royalty. I think she's hugely um, disrespectful. First of all, she's sitting on her desk in a miniskirt and her legs are oh, like out. That's I'm not trying to issue. slut shame her, but she's the prime minister. She, she needs does to be not dressed dress differently for that job. respect. These guys who are all members of the press are all sitting in chairs around her. Like, basically, they could look up her skirt if they wanted to. And she's, like, being incredibly flirtatious with them. She's like, I look forward to seeing you, gentlemen, but not much as uh, you'll look forward to seeing me. And it's just very uncomfortable that this professional woman would be, you know, acting so overtly sexual with all these men. A head it's of not state. empowering. Yeah. Um, I, it is not an appropriate conduct or manner for someone who is in that position of power in the slightest. Um, but also, uh, she doesn't get up and curtsy when Helena comes into the room. Everyone else stands up and she just stays sitting there. And Helena asks her if she's disabled. And only then does this woman have the wherewithal to curtsy, which I just don't believe that someone who's been in government for long enough to be in that big of a position of power would not know like the basic etiquette. Obviously she's trying to be disrespectful. I think she probably knows. But yeah, I think she knows and just elects not to. She does have the great she does seem semi embarrassed after Helena calls her out though. Hmm. Could be. I, th- not, yeah. I don't think because she didn't know she was doing the wrong thing. I think she's embarrassed because she didn't expect Helena to call her on it. That could be. Uh, yeah, especially in front of all the reporters. But they have a short conversation that becomes pretty openly aggressive after a while where this woman is like, listen, you're irrelevant and I have a position of real power. Some of the lines in this scene actually were really good. First of all, when she's dismissing the press, the prime minister says, walk away in the same way that Helena always does, which is such a lame catchphrase, but it still is sort of one of Helena's mm-hmm. catchphrases. And Helena's like, you can leave now. Like, she's obviously very frustrated that the prime minister said walk away. And also, yeah. the first thing the prime minister says when they do sit down to have their conversation is, I admired you. I've admired you ever since I was a young girl. And Helena's like, mm, not that young. Like, obviously, there's a back and forth about age here. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I don't know. They, they try to be pleasant with each other, even though it's clearly passive aggressive for a while. But eventually, 
Um, eventually, it's pretty much just they're putting it on the table. I think Helena tells her, you're in shark-infested waters, and your fake tits won't keep you afloat for long. So I yeah. think by that point, they pretty much know where they're standing. The rest of the storyline is mostly her trying to figure out how to get this prime minister on her side. It's mostly suspenseful music and them raising their eyebrows like very intriguingly at each other. I thought it was yeah. interesting. The prime minister has a moment where she says that they're like whenever each of them is in a room with men, they're the smartest person in the room, but they have to like use their sexuality to disguise it. And I was like. Neither of you is the smartest person uh, in the room. Uh, that is the exact same response I had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, would no. love a show about a government that really did have a female prime minister and a female, a reigning female monarch. That sounds fascinating. But this is not like the empowering no, girl power no, show that I've been uh, looking for by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's it's not. They don't sell the idea that these are two genius people who are using their sexuality for their own ends in the slightest no no that would be fascinating but twas not to be yeah they have one scene where they make a lot of foot and leg puns because helena tries to buy her a pair of shoes basically to buy her off and they're just laborious that's so um, embarrassing buying a powerful woman off with a pair of shoes like, yeah. at least with the men, they were sexually blackmailing them. Dig up some dirt on this girl. Come on. As Sammy already trying... pointed out, she's got, like, a, a situation going on. Yeah. I mean, I think she was... Rachel suggested she try to be nice before she tried to be... Like, use the carrot before the stick. Or she was, she said something Rachel in the whip. Know. because Because yeah, she's a course. dominatrix. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, we do get one, we do get another of the classic, um, you, we're not so different you and I scenes, which is what you were referencing earlier. Absolutely. But I am a sucker for a classic, we're not so different you and I. Uh, so I at least liked that. This storyline has potential. I just don't know that it ever gets its wheels off the ground. Yeah. Because Queen Helena is the least compelling character on the show. Probably so, yes. Besides yes. Jasper? Of the series um, regulars, I mean. That's probably true, uh, especially in the second season. I would say it's doubly true. Um, I don't know. I, I think that thought, about does it? Yeah, I just wanted to say, I would have thought the second season would have given more for Helena to do, not less. Like, looking back where we were wrapping up season one, she was just such a major player and, like, someone who caused so much anger in us, like, episode after episode. And now she doesn't really respire respire inspire an emotional reaction in me no um maybe it's because like she, her big thing this season seems to be getting this bill through at least for the first few episodes that's kind of technical and it doesn't seem very pressing because theoretically cyrus will be able to rule for a long time coming and the dynamic between her and simon is gone and that was probably a big aspect of why she was more a little more engaging in the first season because she had yeah. cyrus on one side and simon on the other like oh i just i miss him that dynamic was great it makes me think of that scene um in season one episode seven that was the three of them when simon was just going off on helena and cyrus 
I mean, I understand why he had to die when he did, but I wish that we could have kept him around a little bit longer. I did want to say, I mentioned this to Zach off the air, this episode title directly references Old Hamlet's ghost. It's the lines between Horatio and the guards while they're observing the ghost the first night they see it. And I was very annoyed that they used this for an episode that didn't include Simon's no ghost, ghost since we have seen Simon's ghost and we'll see more of him coming up. No, no ghosts. Yeah. My speculation is that maybe the title is referring to the fact that Eleanor and Liam can't have normal functional relationships and that that is a fantasy for them. But that's the best I got for why they chose this title. I guess so. Problem with this episode no choice quips like as we went through our discussion today i noticed neither of us had any quotes written down the only quote i've written down is mandy at the club it's called a slag by an american paparazzi and i'm like first of all why is an american paparazzo here and second of all why is an american man using slag instead of slut which is unfortunately what it means and mandy like cutely like tosses her hair and it's like i don't even know what slag means i'm like you can figure it out. Like, don't yeah. do that cutesy playing dumb thing. You know what it means. Yeah, that's the only, the only lines that I have written down, like, I have a couple that just were not, did not work at all. Mandy makes a stupid joke about some booze advice, and she's like, I can't remember who wrote it, Hemingway or J.K. Rowling, and it just does not work Oof. in the slightest. And a music cue that I thought was very on the nose. Right after Liam puts his address into the phone of that girl and she walks away. The music uh, very clearly has the line, I got a little wicked in me come oh, up right after. Right. And it was so painful. It was terrible. It was the worst. That was really bad. Yeah. Well, it's going to be tough this week. Whereas last week it was hard because we had, you know, so many. an embarrassment of riches. This week we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. But what was your favorite moment of this episode? Uh, it was probably when all those dogs came into the room. Because mm-hmm. for a second there was a bunch of dogs in the show. And that was great. And also that... it was a Cyrus scene. So there you go. No, that makes perfect sense to me. I love it. I think I'm going to have to go with the moment when Cyrus turned over his shoulder to say something pithy to Lucius, but it looked like he was breaking the fourth wall. And I'm going to see if I can find a screenshot of that to put on our Facebook page so that people know I'm not crazy. Uh, The truth is I am crazy, but actually just for different reasons than for this. So I want you guys to see it because for one moment I thought my life was about to drastically improve, but it was not to be. All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us through this one. Yeah. Uh, Next one should be better, I think. I think it will be. I think we're over the hump. It happens with every show, even great shows, uh, where there are a few episodes that just don't work. This is one of them. I think we did a pretty good job explaining why we thought it didn't work in terms of just being disjointed and kind of mm-hmm. not and, a very compelling episode. Yeah. And, and and like we said, every single main character just had a completely disconnected plot line from every yeah. other main character. And it's just it, like it didn't seem like 
the overall path of the show moved forward in a great deal. It was just wrapping up things for individual or setting up things for individual characters. I think that's why we were able to go through this episode um, plot line by plot line, which we probably won't do mm-hmm. for most episodes. But this time it works because they just didn't because, interconnect. Yeah. yeah, they didn't interconnect at all, except for like one scene between Helena and Cyrus where they briefly like updated each other on what their various plots were. Um, other than that, there was there was no crossover. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> we made it through. Right? Yeah. One more down. Hopefully, yes. if if ever there was an episode to not get lost and lost, this this is it. Because no, no, man. no. Oh yeah, don't even you bite your tongue. Well, we'll be back next week with a different episode. Um, hopefully, some more cursed diamond because I miss it. And don't worry, we mm-hmm. definitely haven't seen the last of it. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening to Stage of Fools. And have a good night. I'm Shannon Camp. I'm Zach Powers. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. See you next time. Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter, at Stage of Fools Pod, or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted, artwork by Joshua Hollis.